Good morning, Christ Fellowship. It's a little dark down here. If you guys can bring up the lights, just so I can see who I'm talking to. Thank you. <laughs> so, my name is Joel, and today we're in the middle of the series, Miracles, Believe in God for the Impossible. See, God challenges us to believe in Him and have faith that in any situation we're in, any circumstance, any challenge, we trust that He can do the impossible. All the while keeping our eyes on the fact that He is sovereign, He has infinite wisdom, His goodness is eternal, and He knows better than we do. So with that said, sometimes... His answer is no. Sometimes his answer is not now, even though we're waiting for it. Even though we prayed with faithfulness, believing that he can do it, sometimes it's no. And when that is his response, again, we have to focus on his character because that's where our faith should be, in God's character. See, God has a vantage point where he sees things that we don't see. He sees the whole picture when we just see a, a small part of it. He sees everything. But within that, we still have the promise that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things includes the bad things that happen to us. All things includes the times where God says no or not now. See, our faith is anchored in God's character, not in what he can do for us, not in his miracles, not in his, his, his answer to his prayer, whether it's yes or no. Our faith is anchored in his character. Now, understanding that sometimes God says no to our, our prayer, sometimes he says no to the miracle that we're waiting for, there are other times that God is trying to say yes, but we get in the way. There are other times where there are barriers to the miracles that God is trying to do in us, in our lives, right? The answers that he's trying to give us that are yes. So the series that we have this month, and really for this whole year, the encouragement, the goal is for us to have the faith to believe that God can do the miracles inside of us, around us, and through us. Amen? So speaking of miracles, being, obviously being Christians, we believe in miracles, right? So we believe that the two greatest, most important events in the history of this world were miraculous ones. The first one is that God, well, Jesus, right? Jesus came down, God's son. And became a human being through a virgin birth. So obviously that's a miracle. That's never happened before. It's never going to happen again. Anybody else tell me that? I'm not going to believe him. That was, that, was, that was kept for Jesus. Only one. That's it. That was a miracle though. Secondly, Jesus died on a cross. He was crucified. Laid in a tomb. And then he was resurrected by the power of God. So obviously that's a miracle too. If you're a Christian, that means you believe in both of those events. Hence, you believe in miracles. See, a miracle is when something that's outside of nature intervenes in nature. In other words, a miracle occurs when the supernatural enters into the natural. And I want you to think of what we're referring to with miracles as far as that definition for the whole time that I'm speaking today. I know there are a lot of people that doubt that miracles can even happen. I get it. Like, there's a whole lot of doubt. Even within the Christian community, sometimes we might think, oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if this is real. And I get it, but I want you to think of this. I think you can come to believe in miracles just by thinking of all the way back in the beginning, the start of the universe. Think about that for a second. See, no matter what you believe about the start of the universe, whatever your assumption is on how the universe started, it required a miracle. Think about it. So you can sum up any idea of what you think of the start of the universe into three groups. Whatever idea you have, you can pretty much fit it into one of these three groups I'm going to mention. All right? So the first one is this. The first one is the idea that the, the, the universe is eternal. That means that the universe had no beginning. It always was. So that's one idea of how the universe started. The second one is that a Big Bang occurred, the Big, the big Bang Theory. Right? So that's the idea that there was an unknown beginning... And eventually through time, a massive expansion of the universe happened. And that's often referred to as something coming from nothing. First there was nothing, then through time, something appeared. And then the third idea is obviously that something or someone outside of the confines of time and space created the universe. So if you think about it, all three of those ideas require something supernatural. No matter what you believe about the beginning of, of the universe... You believe in something that's supernatural, something that's beyond nature. You believe in a miracle. I mean, where on earth have you ever seen something that's eternal, something that had no beginning? You ha you've never seen that. That's something that's beyond nature. 
Secondly, where have you ever seen something that was nothing and it, something came out of nothing? Where have you ever seen on earth? That's a miracle. And obviously we know that to believe that someone or something lives outside of the confines of time and space and created the universe, obviously that's a supernatural idea too. No matter what you believe, you believe in a, mir in a miraculous event when it comes to the start of the universe. So if all ideas end up bringing you know, some type of miracle to the beginning of the universe, why is it so far-fetched to believe that miracles still happen? Like, if it took a miracle to start the universe, why is it impossible to believe that miracles still happen in the universe? Why? Why is it impossible to believe that miracles still happen today? So just to clarify, just so you know exactly how I feel about it, I do believe that miracles happen. I do believe, believe that miracles have happened and still happen, not just in biblical times. I believe miracles still happen today on a daily basis, to be honest with you. I think miracles happen all the time. See, I can remember back to, or eventually I'm going to have to tie this, so let me just do it now and get it out of the way. Man, I have two hiccups already. What's going on here? Two <laughs> so, thank you, Pastor. So I can think back to, to when I was a lot younger. I remember the first time Pastor Jim Jurgison prayed for me. If you don't know who Jim Jurgison is, he's a prophet that's used by God to speak to the people of the church. And he often comes to Christ Fellowship. And the first time he spoke to me, as, as, sorry, the first time he prayed for me, I remember God clearly speaking to me. It was God speaking through him, talking to me. And what he said to me was, I have a godly woman for you who's going to love you and you're going to love her. And as soon as he said that to me, I don't mean a minute later, I don't mean the next day, as soon as those words were coming to me, a picture, an image of my future wife came to my mind. Now you have to understand something. We weren't dating yet. I barely knew her. I knew of her. I didn't really know her. We didn't even speak the same language. She spoke all Spanish. I spoke all English. There was no mix, no conversation there, nothing. In fact, this idea was so left field that I didn't even think about it for about another two years. Eventually, she caught my eye, and from a distance, I started to fall in love with her, and the rest is history. But I can look back, and I know that was God's hand. See, what God does is often he uses miracles to fulfill his plan for your life. Sometimes he uses miracles to do his work. And I know, looking back, like, you don't have to believe me. I lived it. You don't have to, I know it's real. No one can convince me otherwise. I didn't think of her on my own. I know God was planting a seed that eventually turned into my marriage with my beautiful wife. Andrea, she's around here somewhere. Is she here? She's hiding over there. You can say what's up to her now or after. So... But I have a couple, a couple more stories for you. The second one I remember hearing when I was younger, uh, many times actually, it had to do with my grandmother and my dad. So my, gran my grandma was a firm believer. She walked right with God. And my dad at 20 years old obviously was doing some things that she didn't approve of because she was very firm with her walk. And one morning she walks up to my dad and, and she talks to him and she asks him, um, so what were, you, what, what were you doing last night? Where were you? And my dad didn't want to tell her what he was doing, so he lied. Right? He lied. And she called him out on it. She said, you're lying. Mentiroso, mentira tuya. I know exactly where you were. You were at this bar. And, and it's crazy, right? So he's here too. You can ask him afterwards. You were at this bar. And, and then she started to describe the bar and the surroundings. And then she said, you were sitting next to this guy who was wearing a green shirt. Now, let me tell you, my dad must have been thinking, you know, she has somebody following me, she, giving her all these details, because how does she know all this? But I'll tell you something about my grandmother. She was a straight shooter. She didn't fabricate. She didn't make things up. If somebody would have told her those details, she would have said, so-and-so saw you and told me. But no, she said, God told me when I was praying for you, and he gave me this vision, this vision of where, we, where you were and what you were up to. That was a miracle. And... I know it shocked my dad because he's told us the story many times. And thank God I know that God used that to eventually bring him back to his feet. And my dad now desires to please God the same way my grandmother did way back when. My other grandma, oh, we can clap it up, yeah. So my other grandmother, I have a story for her too, that this one marked me when I was growing up. Um, so Kiki and Mima, those were my grandparents, my, my mother's side, right? And... I remember hearing this story of a time when she first met Kiki. So 
she was very reluctant to go out with him, even though he was asking her out on dates all the time. Like, he was very persistent. You know, and she was very reluctant because she was coming out of an abusive relationship. And he was coming out of a bad relationship, too. But one night, one night she had a dream. While she was sleeping, she had this dream. And in the dream, she saw Kiki. And Kiki walked up to her and said, I'm here to love you. And she said back to him in the dream, and I'm here to take care of you. It was in Spanish, so he really said, Estoy aquí para quererte. And she said, Estoy aquí para cuidarte. Now, she took that dream and, and really knew that was God speaking to her, telling her, this guy's good. He's one of mine. Go for it. Now, to you, it might not seem like a big deal, but for me who saw their relationship, I know that was God because that perfectly described the way their marriage was for all of their years. Perfectly. Like, he loved her in a way that I don't think anyone has ever loved their, their wife before. Did it just fall? It did fall. That's number three, right? I'm going to need a miracle before another one happens. So he loved her in a way that I've never seen anybody love anyone else before. He loved her so romantically as if he was trying to win her heart every day until the day he died. She took care of him in a way he was never cared for before. She, he, he was a hot mess. So she made sure he had order and organization. She made sure he ate. He dressed well. He was healthy. She, she made sure all of the things he needed to do because he wasn't going to do it for himself. Look at this. They gave each other the very thing they never received in their previous relationships. God gave my grandmother a glimpse of what her marriage was to be before she was even dating a guy. That's a miracle. Going back to 2003, this is the last one, but going back to 2003, uh, I'm thinking of my cousin. At that time, my cousin was going through a really rough patch in his life. Really rough. To the point where he didn't want to live anymore. He wanted to end his life. One day, he's going back to his mother's house, which at the time, by law, he wasn't supposed to be there. They were having problems. And that, that particular day that he went to his mother's house, his mom actually got home from work early. So because of the problems they were having, he stormed out of the house. And he ran to a nearby baseball field that was, you know, wasn't super close to the house, but it was around the area. And when he got to the baseball field, I'm not going to get into details, but... He did things to himself right there that should have ended his life right away. His life should have ended at that very moment. And it almost did. But thank God his mom called the police as soon as he ran out of the house. And the police were able to find him in a short period of time. But think of this for a second. The date was April 3rd, 2003. The reason they were able to find him was because they were able to follow the footprints. Oh, I didn't tell you this part. It was a snow blizzard. That doesn't sound crazy right now because today's weather is unpredictable. It can snow in July. But back then, it didn't snow out in spring. It didn't snow outside of pretty much winter. It was, in, it was in the middle of spring, and there was a snow blizzard, and it happened to snow on that very day. And the reason the police found him was because they were able to follow the footprints that were left in the snow from his house all the way to the baseball field. Not only to the baseball field, but to the dugout where he was lying. And he found them fast enough to rush him to the hospital and save his life. My cousin will tell you himself, it's a miracle that he's alive today. He knows that was a hand of God working in his life. And today, he loves the Lord. He really does, because he saw what God did in his life. So when we talk about miracles, I know it might seem strange, but I tell you miracles are real, they happen, on a daily basis, they happen in your lives. You might not believe it, but they're happening in your lives. And you might not see it. Or maybe you do. Maybe you can look back at your life, and you see things you've gone through, and you look back and you have to sh shake your head and say, that had to be God. I was so far out. I was so lost. I was in so deep. I don't know how I ever made it out of that. That had to be the hand of God. Yeah, you, maybe you made some right choices. Maybe there were people that were helping you out. But you can look back and say, I know that wasn't my power. I know that the people that helped me, I know they didn't fix everything for me. There had to be someone doing something for me that pulled me out of that mess. There had to be somebody that pulled me out of that dark time and showed me the light. There had to be someone that worked a miracle in my life. See, God often uses miracles to fulfill his plan. He uses miracles to demonstrate his power. He uses miracles to give him glory and to give us faith. But sometimes we get in the way. 
Sometimes there are barriers to the miracles that God's trying to give you in your life. The miracles that he's trying to do in you, around you, and through you. And for the rest of this morning, that's what I want to talk about, some of those barriers. Obviously, there are many things that get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. But there are a few of them that I want to highlight in this morning. And the first one, you can actually turn to Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58. So it should pop up behind me. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can read it with, uh, with me right behind me. But the first one is the barrier of unbelief. The barrier of unbelief. So if you guys are ready, if not, just look up. And it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the, the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't, he had a lot of siblings, if you noticed. His, his family was busy. So James, Simon, Judas, uh, Joseph, he had sisters. Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Notice that. Look how things switched. They were amazed and now they're offended. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I'll say that last line again. It's relevant. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So just to give you some background information, Nazareth was the hometown of Jesus. You know, he got there when he was really young with his parents. And his earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter. So I'm sure he learned the family trade. But when he grew up, around 30 years old, he left. And he started his own ministry. What he was doing was teaching. Obviously, he was revealing uh, God, who he was in God. He was, he was God's son. He was the Messiah. So he was going around and teaching and praying and healing the sick and performing all sorts of miracles. But one day, he comes back to, to town. And you would expect him to be like the hometown hero, right? Like, imagine someone doing all these miraculous things, and you go back home. But that wasn't what happened. When he got back home, they were stunned. They were like, hold up. Something doesn't make sense. You were just this regular guy when you left, and now you're, you're coming back as this important prophet that's being used by God. See, the problem that the Nazareth people had was they were trying to piece everything all together. They wanted to understand everything perfectly. So when Jesus came back and he was this very important person, this very important prophet, they couldn't understand, like, how did that come into that? that? Like, how did you be this regular person, and now you're this very important prophet that God, you, God is using. And to be honest with you, I kind of understand their point of view. I get it a little bit. I mean, I think you do too. We do the same thing. We want to understand something fully before we put our trust in it. We want to gather all the facts, gather all the information, make it as fail-proof as possible, limit the risks as much as possible before we trust it. The problem, though, is this. The problem is that approach doesn't work with God because he's God. It doesn't work with him. How can you fully understand God's forgiveness? You can get it a little bit, but not completely. How can you fully understand God's sovereignty? God is the ultimate chess player. He's making all the moves he needs to make to make sure that his goal, his, his plans still you know, uh, get accomplished, all the while never interfering with your free will. Like, How can we understand that? We can't understand that. Our minds, our limited minds, were never created with the capacity to fully understand God. It's impossible to fully get that. How can we understand fully that God was never born, that he lives outside of time and space? Like, we can accept it, but how can we actually understand it? We live in time and space. I can't even think what that even means, that he created time and space for us. You can't fully get that. How can you completely understand God's love for us? Like you can spend your whole life trying to figure that one out. How can you fully understand God's love for you? So much that he had his only son die on a cross for your sins, for my sins. We can accept it. I'll spend my whole life trying to figure it out, but you can't fully get it. You can't. It's impossible to fully understand God. How can we fully understand how, when, and why God decides to do miraculous things, to do powerful things? How can we fully understand when, he's when he decides to do something supernatural? We can't fully get that. See, trying to understand God fully would be like Hamlet 
trying to fully understand Shakespeare. Like, think about that for a second. Trying to understand God fully would be like Hamlet trying to understand Shakespeare. Even if Shakespeare wrote himself into the story, we still wouldn't get it fully. Oh, by the way, God did that, right? With Jesus. Even in that case, you still wouldn't fully get it. It's impossible to fully understand God. At some point, faith has to take place for you to say, God, I believe in you. At some point, you're never going to have all the answers. At some point, you have to decide to have faith in God. See, the people of Nazareth, they missed it. They missed it. They were so busy trying to understand everything that they were missing the very things that God was giving them. Jesus gave them enough uh, proof for faith. He was giving them evidence for faith. And they missed the evidence for faith that were right before their eyes. Think about it. He went into the synagogue. First of all, you couldn't just go into the synagogue and start teaching. You had to have some type of credibility. But he went into the synagogue and he taught with more authority, more clarity, more wisdom than any of their uh, religious leaders before that. So how can he go in there and do that and yet they just dismiss it? They completely miss the evidence that Jesus was giving them. He went in there and he was doing miracles. They said it themselves. They witnessed it. They said, you know, who is this man? Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? So they saw him doing miracles, but they still missed it. So putting the people of Nazareth to the side for a second, I want you to think about yourself. How about you? Do you find yourself in a similar position as the people of Nazareth? Are you trying to piece it all together to have it completely figured out? Are you missing it? Are you missing the evidence for faith that God has right before your eyes? Are you too, too busy trying to figure it out perfectly? Let me tell you something. God is perfect. You don't know perfection, so how can you figure it out? God is perfect. You don't know perfection. How can you understand perfection then? You can't. You can't fully get it. You can't fully get something that's way beyond your capacity of understanding. Do you really feel like you look back in your life and there's no fingerprints of God in your life? Like not one? Can you really look back and say there's no fingerprints of God in my life? I know there, there are things that you don't get, right? There are things that don't make sense. But doesn't that itself make sense? If God is who he says he is, doesn't it make sense that you're not going to fully get it? That in itself to me makes sense. To, to me that's evidence. I, I get it. Like I'm not fully going to understand the whole picture because I can't even see the whole picture. What God sees is so different from what we see. Can you really look back at your life and say, God's hand was never at work? Can you really say that? You know, there's something that I really appreciate from this story, something that I think is really insightful. See, Jesus, it says Jesus didn't do many miracles because of their lack of faith. But it doesn't say he didn't do any miracles. It says he didn't do many miracles, but it doesn't say he didn't do any miracles. He definitely did some. And the book of Mark shares the same story, and Mark gives a detail. He says, Jesus was able to lay his hands on some sick people and heal them. So he was able to heal some of the sick people that were there. But why did their unbelief keep Jesus from doing more miracles then, if he was able to heal some people? Does God only have power when we have faith? Uh, Does Jesus' power depend on the faith that we have in him? Like, do we need to believe in God for him to have power? Of course not. I think that's a really big misunderstanding or misconception that we have when it comes to God's power. The reason that he wasn't able to do a lot of miracles, let me say this for a second. The ones that he did heal were the ones that came to him. They actually walked, they were the ones that believed him and they had the faith that he could heal and he did it. Everyone else who didn't believe in him Never gave, it, never gave him the, the belief. They walked away. So how can they receive miracles? They weren't there. Everywhere else that Jesus performed miracles in every other town, people would just crowd around him. And I'm telling you, to the point where if they just touched his cloth, they would get healed. If he just said a word, they had the faith that they would get healed. And now he's in his hometown and people are walking away because they didn't believe in him. No, the reason that there weren't many miracles is because of the lack of faith, but it wasn't because of God's lack of power. The problem is with the, isn't with the exporting, it's with the importing. Understand that for a second. The problem isn't that God didn't have the power to do it. The people of Nazareth weren't willing to receive it. They weren't, really, they weren't willing to open up and receive what God wanted to give them. 
God was willing to give the, the, the miracle. He did it. People were walking up to him and getting healed. All the while, everyone else was walking away. Let me give you an example of this. Salvation. Think of salvation for a second. So Jesus died on the cross, and God's power uh, resurrected him and brought him back to life. And through Jesus' resurrection, sin and death were forever, forever defeated. Forever. The miracle happened. As a matter of fact, the miracle is there. But it's still up to us to choose to receive it. God's power doesn't depend on that miracle. God's power doesn't depend on our faith for that miracle to happen. That miracle's there waiting for people. And yet some people go to it and they get healed. And they receive it. Think of that miracle of salvation where you, the rest of your eternity is completely changed. Where everyone by nature is going straight down. And through the, the miracle of salvation, through the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, your, your, your eternity is completely changed going up. That miracle is there for people, but they have to choose to receive it. The problem is not with the exporting, it's with the importing. God's going to give you, the, he has the power, he's going to give the miracle, or are you going to receive the miracle? And that's the problem that people of Nazareth had. They weren't really willing to open up and receive. Our faith doesn't affect God's power to do it. Just our willingness to open up and receive it. They missed it. Are you missing it? Do you feel like the barrier of unbelief might be blocking miracles from breaking through in your life? Could that be a possibility? Are you doubtful of what God can do in you? Do you doubt that he can heal you physically? Do you doubt that he can heal you mentally, emotionally? Are you trapped by bitterness of unforgiveness or bitterness from past hurts? Are you tormented by those things? Are you struggling with sins that feel like they have you tied up in a knot that you can't loosen? Are there things that are inside of you that you feel like God can't do this because it's way too big, it's too much a part of me? Are there barriers of unbelief that keep God from giving the miracles that he wants to give you because you're not willing to receive? Because the problem's not on God's part. He has the power whether you have the faith or not. Your faith opens the door to receive it. Will you trust God to do something miraculous in your life? And if you will, tell him. Tell him you do. That starts opening the door. Tell him you do. Show him you do. That leads me to the second barrier, which is the barrier of inaction. Inaction being one word. Inaction means lack of action. It's the opposite of actually doing something. And there are two types of actions that I'm referring to I want to think about, I want you to think about. The first one is a before and then obviously an after. So before meaning initiative. So when you think of action, think of taking that initial step. And the after being a response. So there are two stories I want to read that I think are going to explain this pretty well. And the first one is in the book of Mark chapter 10. So we learn, we can get to it please, Mark 10. We learn about a blind man named uh, Bartimaeus. So I guess his faith was pretty strong because he got his name in the Bible. It's pretty cool. Uh, hard to pronounce. I hope I'm saying it right, Bartimaeus. But it reads like this. It says, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now watch this. He says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. They were probably being sarcastic. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. It's funny, God knows. Like, why does he ask that? He, he just want, he's constantly challenging you, right? He knows what he wants. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See, what happened in that story, as you, as you can easily tell, is Bartimaeus took initiative. He took a, t a step towards the, the miracle that he wanted. He didn't just stay lying down or sitting down and say, I know I have faith that God can heal me. If he wants to heal me, he'll do it. No, he, when he heard Jesus' voice, he said, oh, I got to get up. Jesus, I need you. Come here, please heal me. I need this. I need your mercy. 
Even when people were telling him, how many times do people talk and tell you something, by the way, and then you listen to them? You listen to the wrong voice. He heard people saying, shut up, and he was saying, no, Jesus, I need you. Give me your mercy. Give me your grace. Give me your miracle. I need you. I know you can do this for me. You know, it was something that, that I, I find remarkable. He was persistent. Jesus didn't listen right away. He had to keep on calling Jesus' name. He probably got Jesus frustrated, like, let me heal this guy before he doesn't, you know, he just keeps on messing with me. He, he, he got Jesus' attention because he was persistent. He didn't give up. How many times do we get impatient when we don't see the miracle right away? And then we stop. He was persistent all the way through. He took initiative. He didn't say, my faith is enough. No, I'm going to do something with my faith. And he received the gift. He received the miracle. But there's another example of action, which would be response. So initiative was that first step, right? But this next blind man, I don't know why this one, we don't know his name. It's in John 9. I guess, I don't know, for some reason he's not as famous. But there's another blind man who had to take action too. But it was a response. It was in John 9. And we read about another person that God healed, that Jesus healed. In this case, though, Jesus tells the blind man to do something. So let me read it first. And it says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus was doing this. He spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. Not sure if I said that right. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So the blind man responded. He did what Jesus told him to do, and he received the miracle. See, if you're noticing in both cases, both blind men had to take action. They had to do something. If Bartimaeus didn't take initiative, if he didn't reach out to Jesus, if he wasn't calling out to him, he would have never gotten what he was chasing. He would have never got it. If the blind man, you know what, the second one, impresses me a lot. If the blind man didn't respond to what Jesus told him to do, he would have never received that gift. He would have never received that miracle. Let me tell you why that one stands out to me. So imagine, first of all, Jesus approached him. He walked up to him, and then he just starts making uh, mud with dirt and his saliva, and then he puts it on the man's eyes. So just that alone, like imagine someone walks up to you, spits on dirt, puts it on your eyes. You'd be a little confused if not offended, right? You'd be like, what's going on here? I don't care how much respect you have for the person. You'd be like, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. And then to make matters worse, like if you're thinking, okay, this is going to fix my problem. He says, no, go wash yourself. Like you just dirty me. Why can't you clean me? Why do I got to do it? No, he had to actually go and get washed. But the amazing thing is he did it. He had so much faith in who Jesus was. He had so much confidence that God was going to do the impossible in his life that he went and he did it. And because of his right response, he received the miracle that he was waiting for. Both of these men had to take action. So again, putting the the thought on us, could inaction be a barrier for you? Is your lack of action a barrier for you? You can say you have faith. If your faith isn't moving you to do something... What does that say? Is your inaction keeping you from your miracle? Are you taking initiative and calling out to God? Are you seeking him? Are you looking for him? Are you persistently chasing after him? Regardless of what people around you are saying, regardless of the people that are telling you shut up, regardless of the circumstances telling you God's not good enough, God's not big enough, regardless of the amount of time it's taking, are you being persistent like Bartimaeus was persistent? Are you taking action? Are you taking initiative? Are you chasing what you're going after? Trusting that God can do it. He can do the impossible. Are you willing to respond to God? What if God is telling you, listen, it's waiting for you. What are you going to do? I'm waiting for you to respond to it. What if there's sin in your life? I mean, this is an example, right? But what if there's sin in your life that God's telling you and challenging you to get rid of, to remove? Because I promise you, sin is definitely a barrier that will keep miracles from entering your life. That's like a giant wall. It's like a brick wall between God's miracle and you. And God's saying, I'm here. But what, you want me to go around this? No, you need to remove this. And then I'll give it to you. What if there's something like that that's blocking you? Are you willing to respond to God? You know, so many of us, obviously, we pray for our marriage, right? And maybe you're in a situation where you're praying for your marriage. 
and you're praying that God does a miracle in your marriage and God can work wonders in a person's heart. Maybe you're praying that God, you know, changes your, your spouse's attitude and actions. But are you willing to change too? Are you willing to change too? What if God is challenging you and saying, listen, I got your marriage in my hands, but can you let me work in you too? And there's so many examples like that. There's so many things that maybe you're waiting for, but God is saying, listen, you got to work too. It's for you too. I, I, I had my son die for you. You got to accept it. I'm willing to work in you. You got to do some work too. Because that demonstrates your faith. That puts your faith in action. If God is saying to you, go and get washed, will you respond? Will you do it? The third barrier is the barrier of wrong motives. See, I learned something a long time ago. You can't con God. You can trick people around you. You can trick everyone around you. You can trick anybody. You can trick yourself. How many people trick themselves all the time? You can trick yourself. Remember the penguin from, this is so, uh, I don't know, I got this. Remember the penguin from Happy Feet, and he had to jump. He was scared to jump. He was like, okay, I'm going to trick myself. One, two, and then he just threw himself. He didn't go to three. You can trick yourself. You can't trick God. God knows when your heart is wrong. God knows when you're chasing the wrong thing. God knows when you're pretending to love God, but you're really seeking other things. He knows when you're trying to do something for pleasure instead of pleasing him, you're trying to please yourself. He knows when your heart is after the wrong thing. You can't trick him. You can't. You know, James 4 verse 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive. There's that word, right? Receive is the importing. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, PC said a couple things. Uh, actually, he said this last week and the week before. God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not. If you want a genie, he said, go watch Aladdin. It's, I found that really funny because Disney Plus has Aladdin. Not only can you watch Aladdin once, you can watch him twice. You got the old Aladdin and the new Aladdin. You got the Robin Williams and you got the Will Smith. I would say you got the good version and the... <laughs> you can watch Aladdin all you want. That's the genie. God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not. Pastor Carlos also said, the anchor of my faith is hooked in his character, not in what I can get from him. Do you have a relationship with God's heart and his character? Or do you have a relationship with God's hand and what he can give you? That's a big difference. And tell you what, God knows that difference. I don't know it. People around you don't know. God knows that difference. Because on the outside, everything looks the same, right? You come to church, just like everyone else. You pray, you worship, you do all this stuff. You listen to the teaching. Afterwards, you say, good job, or Joel did a bad job. Like, you might say something. I don't know what you're saying. Everyone's doing that. On the outside, it all looks the same. But on the inside, God knows what you're really chasing. Is it his heart? Is it his character? Or his hand? What are you chasing? Remember, you can't con God. He knows your motives. See, remember what I said. Miracles are used by God to demonstrate his power to give him glory, to give you faith, to fulfill his plan, not to make you happy, not to please you. It's not for your pleasure. He doesn't work a miracle just so you can feel good about yourself. If it's not giving you faith, he's not giving it to you. If it's not giving him glory, he's not giving it to you. If it's not demonstrating his power, if it's not fulfilling his plan, he's not going to give it to you just because you want it. You need to check your motives. What's it all about? And the fourth one, the barrier of the wrong plan. So that sounds funny, but the fourth barrier I want to speak of is the barrier of the wrong plan. See, this one's a little bit different. You might be praying for something that's simply just not God's plan. It could be a very good thing. It could be a great thing. But God, at his vantage point, he knows what's best, right? He sees what you don't see. He sees everything. You see just the snapshot that's before you. Martin Luther King, we're going to celebrate his birthday tomorrow, actually. And, over, you know, just this past week, I saw the movie, My Friend Martin. All the students, I bet you can raise your hand. Everyone that's in school still, you saw that movie, at least recently, probably this week. So My Friend Martin was a movie about Martin Luther King. And to try to be as simple as possible, it's a cartoon movie where he, someone went back in time and saw him, and then he went into the future, which would be like now, let's say, and saw the way the world was. But this is the problem. When he came to the future, the world was exactly as it was with him because since he went to the future, he never did what he was supposed to do. 
Right? Do you get that? Is that clear? Like he didn't lead the civil rights movement because he skipped his time and went to the future. So Martin Luther King realized and he said, hey, I got to go back. The reason things haven't changed is because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But then the boy, knowing history, said, Martin, no, if you go back, he didn't tell him. He almost did. And then Martin left. But what he was about to tell him was, if you go back, you're going to die. You're going to be assassinated. Now, he saw that, but we can see in the bigger picture, if God would, let's say in that scenario, if God would spare Martin Luther King's life, it would require him to not fulfill his purpose. So think about that for a second. His family would be happy, everyone around him would be super happy, but it would, he would have never fulfilled his purpose, which we know is a purpose that changed this entire country. It cha- look at this, look, at, look, look right now, look around you. This church wouldn't be here like this, at least, if it weren't for Martin Luther King Jr. It wouldn't be. Look at all these different colors. <laughs> I often, I'm a little confused when I think of this story because I'm like, I'm Hispanic, where would I be? And would the light-skinned Hispanics be in the, I don't know how that works. I know it wouldn't be the way it is now. I know I would have been affected by it. So he could have spared his life, but think of the big picture. How much more important was his life? His death wasn't in vain. His death stamped the great movement that he was a part of, that he led. I think there's a great example too. I'm sorry, I bet you can look back for a second. I bet you can look back at your life at things that you thought were good for you. And now when you look back, you say, I'm glad that didn't happen. Like that, that was not good. Or the opposite, like I wish I didn't, meti la pata. I wish I didn't go that route because I thought it was going to be good and it wasn't. And that's you. Look how much more wisdom you have just from hindsight, just from history. So imagine God who sees everything. Sometimes we're praying for something that's not God's plan. It could be a good thing. It's just not good for his plan. It's not the best thing. A a really good example in the Bible would be the Apostle Paul. So Paul uh, did great things for God, right? He was really used by him. And... Uh, but he had a problem. Paul himself said, I have a thorn in my flesh, a thorn in my flesh. Now, we don't really know what that means. We don't know if it was like a physical thing, probably was, but it could have been a spiritual thing too that he was wrestling with. And Paul would pray about this, you know, he prayed about it multiple times. It was something that he was really asking God to remove. Now, think about this for a second. This is Paul who God used to actually bring someone to life once, someone that died, and he used them to bring them to life. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake and didn't get poisoned. Paul was used by God to heal the sick and to, to, um, uh, what do you call it, like uh, deliver people from demon possession. He did all these miraculous things through God, and yet God wouldn't heal him. But the amazing thing is that that Paul understood. You know what? I know God knows best. God knows better than me. I know that his internal work is more important than whatever external work I'm hoping for. His internal miracle is way more important than the external miracle that I'm hoping for. He knew Romans 8.28. Did he, did he write Romans 8.28? I'm not sure. Did he? he did. He wrote Romans 8.28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called to, according to his purpose. He knew that very well. What if that's your, God's response to you? What if you're praying for something that you think is great, but it's not God's plan for you? What if he's saying, sorry, no, I can't? Sometimes his answer is no. Would you accept it? Would you trust God knows better than you? Would you trust that even the bad you go through, he's using for your good, if you love him? Are you trusting in his character? Are you in love with his heart? Are you in love with what he can do for you? And you're disappointed when it's not the answer you're hoping for instead of trusting him. So right now, I just want to open up the altar. I want to open up the altar just for an opportunity for a couple things. One, if you find yourself with any barriers that might be keeping you from receiving the miracles that God wants in your life, if you find yourself having barriers that keeps God's hand from working within you, I want... I want you to just come up. And you can even come up right now, even as I'm talking. For the next few minutes, it's going to be more about you and God, not so much even what I'm saying. Maybe you have a barrier of unbelief. Maybe it's 
not believing that God can give you what you're hoping for. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Let me tell you, the Bible says if you, if you are giving a gift, let's say, to, to the Lord, and you have something against a brother of yours, he says, turn around and fix that first. That's more important. That'll definitely be blocking what God has for you. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's something that God wants you to give up. Could it be lack of action, wrong motives, sin? If there's anything that's blocking you from receiving God's hand, receiving his work, I want you to come up. And don't be scared. Is God's plan not enough for you? Are you focused on the external miracle? Meanwhile, God may be focused on an internal healing. Maybe God is thinking, you know what? I want to heal heart first. I want to heal mind first. I want to heal soul first. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the big picture. You can't see it. You don't see what I'm doing. You don't see how I'm working in you. My hand's all over. You think you don't see me? I'm carrying you. You don't see my hands. You're in my hands. You don't see it. You're missing it. If you feel like you have any barriers that are keeping you from the receiving end, it's not the export that's the problem. It's the import. Take this time to bring it up to God. Talk to him. And you might be in another, uh, maybe that's not you, but if you're expecting God to move in your life and trusting him to do a work within you, Come up to the altar too. Like maybe there's not a barrier, but maybe there's just something that you want to bring up to God that you haven't yet. Or maybe you're in the middle of it and you just want to be persistent like Bartimaeus. Be persistent. God doesn't get upset if you keep on asking. He's not the voice that's going to tell you to shut up. That's everyone else. He's going to say, keep praising me. He's going to say, keep talking to me. Keep looking for me. Keep seeking me. He's never going to say, stop seeking me. Keep seeking me. Keep looking. Keep trusting me. Keep believing in me. Show me how, so, how far your faith goes. I know how far my love goes. How far does your faith go? I know how far my miracle can go. How far does your faith go? How far does your trust in me go? Take this opportunity to come up too. Maybe you're waiting for something impossible to become possible. Maybe you're trusting that God can do the impossible. The altar is yours right now. Maybe it's a physical healing, a sickness. It could be an addiction. It could be anger. Anger is something hard to shake. Maybe it could be strongholds to sins that you can't seem to break on your own. Not being able to forgive someone. Maybe it's healing and restoration in your marriage. You don't think God's hand can work in that? Maybe it's healing and restoration with your, a, your relationship with your children. You don't think God can restore that? You don't think he's ever done that? You think that's hard for God? You don't think he's ever done that in the past? You don't think he's doing that now? Maybe it's healing and restoration with your parents. There's nothing that's impossible for God. That's what we're learning this month, this year. Maybe you're praying for your loved ones to come back to Christ. Praying for someone to fix their life and fix the direction that they're going. Bring it up. Bring it up to the altar right now. This is your opportunity to, to bring that to God. And I'm just going to ask... Even now as we listen to this song, You Made a Way, a very powerful song that's going to encourage us and remind us of the power that God has, of his faithfulness. Even now as you're praying, if there are any pastors, le intentional leaders, any elders that are available, if you're up here for yourself, that's fine. But if you're available, you can just come up, and if anyone's seeking prayer, you can take this time to pray. For, for some of us, the miracle is that we're right here. As the song sings, somehow you made a way. The miracle right now is that you're standing in his presence. For some of you, maybe physically that's the miracle. Your life shouldn't be here, but God said, not right now, not today. You're going to stay with me. Maybe that's the miracle. Maybe the miracle isn't a physical one, but maybe the miracle is that emotionally and spiritually, you've gone down paths that God didn't want you to go down, and somehow you straightened your path, and you're in his presence, in his altar right now. What is the miracle that he's already given you? How can you doubt the miracle that he wants to give you? What's the miracle that he planned? Forget, what's the miracle he wants to give you this year? What's the growth he wants to do inside of you? What's the internal healing he wants to do inside of you? Because if you don't realize this or not, every single person needs some internal healing because we're all broken people by nature. What's the work he's calling for you? What's the hope he has for you? And you're questioning if you're hoping in him? The question isn't can God 
bless you? Can he give you a miracle? The question is, in this year, are you open to receive what he wants to give you? You need to ask him right now. You need to tell him right now. God, I'm willing to receive. Even now, tell him, I'm willing to receive. Say it. I'm willing to receive. My heart is open. My heart is open. Say it. I know you can do it. I know you can do the impossible. I know you can work a miracle in my life. God, whatever I'm asking for is small compared to your power. Your power doesn't depend on my faith. My faith just opens the door for your power. And I'm ready. And I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to keep on chasing after it. And if I don't get it, God, I know you're doing another work in me anyway. If I don't see the miracle that I'm expecting, I know you're doing another miracle in me anyway. Because you know way better than I know. You know way better than I know. I don't know what I need. I know what I think I need. You know exactly what I need. And I trust you, and I trust you, and I trust you. And let's, let's just close in prayer now. I just want to pray for everyone. Dear God, you see your church, you see your people, you see everyone that's here. And not only here, but even those that are listening in, God, you see their hearts. You see the barriers that they've had in their lives that have kept them from your hand working in them more than it already does. You see what they're bringing to the altar, God. You see that they're saying, God, take this from me. I want to believe in you in a way I've never believed in you before. I want to trust in you in a way I've never trusted you in before. I don't care what anyone around me is saying. I know I believe in you and I want to put my life in your hands. My circumstance doesn't matter because you're above it, you're beyond it. What I see with my eyes doesn't matter because you're above it, you're beyond it. You're supernatural. Miracles. You live in the miracles, God. You see their hearts. And I pray right now, the Holy Spirit, that you even begin the miracle process. Even now, may the healing begin. The physical healing, Lord. If any ailments, if any sickness, if any cancer, if anything that is not of your plan, my Lord, I pray you heal them in the name of Jesus. If any heart healness, any emotional healness, any spiritual healness that's needed, my Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you start the work even now. I pray, God, that you start doing inside of them what they're praying for, what they're hoping for. Because we know that all you want for us is good. Even if it's not the good we're thinking, it's better. I mean, you begin that process even now, my Lord Jesus. Those that are asking you, whether it's for their marriage, bring healing and restoration right now in the name of Jesus. Healing and restoration in our marriages, in our families, and any brokenness, may you heal. And any pain, may you heal. And any suffering, may you heal. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, your power is amazing. And I just pray that we're all ready to receive. Patiently, trust, you know, trusting, faithfully, believing that you do the impossible. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.